Embedded in the Market. Sponsored by Tokyo. Hi there, and welcome to Embedded in the Market. I'm Frank Robledano, your host as usual. And today I'm joined by Tokyo's own Victor Bonilla. Now, Victor works as uh, one of our technical salespeople. He's our technical sales lead. And he's going to tell us all about the technical aspects of embedded finance in the market. Good morning, Victor. Hello, Frank. Good morning. And thank you for inviting me here. No, it's my pleasure. I think that you can do a lot to demystify the technology that surrounds embedded finance because even though the concept is gaining popularity in the market, I think a lot of people still don't understand exactly how it's integrated. And I think your expertise is going to prove invaluable in explaining that. Yeah, of course. I think also that it's important to, to make it real. I think that it's always one of the issues here. We used to talk a lot about the concept, but not about the reality of it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, let, let, let's see if we can bring it down to earth a little bit for the for the listeners. Why don't you explain to people listening what you do at Tokyo? Because I'm not even sure what you do at Tokyo. <laughs> okay. So basically, I'm a person with a technical background mm -hmm. inside the sales team. Okay. So... As my role says, I'm solution engineer, okay. but in other places, that's known as pre-sales. So basically, I get in touch with the, with the customers when they already know a little bit about us. Mm -hmm. They already know what, uh, what Tokyo is, what's uh, the real purpose, and also they are already briefed on embedded finance, and they want to proceed and understand what can, what can be done with Tokyo. So we're talking about like maybe a third or fourth conversation with prospective clients. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So basically, I give them a more in-depth explanation on the on the platform. So it's on the operation. I'm used to be called the, the demo guy of the company. <laughs> <laughs> and and also I conduct technical workshops when we got to the conversation with the with the technical teams on the on the customer side. So. Basically, uh, I help them to position us correctly and understand how they are going to be able to interact with Tokyo. Okay. And additionally, I try to speak the, the language of more teams inside the company, trying to translate uh, the vision of product, the realism of tech into something that can be understood by our sales team and therefore by the, by the customers. Okay. And, and how does that normally go? Is that, a, is that a simple process? I mean, obviously, you have to have the ability to translate highly technical information into something that may be more easily digestible by, by prospective customers. What's the process for them? I mean, how, how do you do with that? When you're dealing with clients, how do you approach explaining the technology behind embedded finance? Yeah, so I think that's it's always necessary to start with the foundations. Mm -hmm. So although embedded finance has been around for years, mm -hmm. uh, I think that it's new for most of our customers when it comes to, to an implementation project or just to re really understand the concept. Mm -hmm. So since there is no clear standardization under this uh, market, I mean, there is a lot of players in the sector and each one has uh, a different role under the ecosystem. So before talking about the technology, I always like to, to set the foundation on what, uh, what's the actual role of Tokyo. Mm -hmm. 
So I set the expectations and also I conduct or help them to make the, the, the correct questions in order to, to approach perfectly the, the, the scene inside Tokyo. So once the foundation has been laid, I explain them the, the technology on which our infrastructure, our backend, our frontend, everything that we are built over the, the solution. Okay. okay. So basically, I just assure them that uh, we have an architecture based on microservices. Okay. So that the solution is perfectly able to to scale using all the resources that has available under our cloud infrastructure. I think that that's the concept, the, the first concept in order to to make them aware of how it's the the scene set for us. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. You use terms like um, microservices and cloud infrastructure. Yeah. Um, what what do those actually mean, just for the folks out there who like really have no idea what's going on? <laughs> okay. So basically, microservices mm-hmm. is just the the concept of separating a specific piece of processing of information. Mm-hmm. Okay. So basically, we have the the ability of having different functionalities on a different component that it's running separately. Okay. What does it mean? Basically, that's mm, if we have a single point of failure, that's something that it's going to happen only on a single component. So we are not affecting the rest of the components or of the infrastructure. And also, if we have a a peak of usage, if we have maybe more requests related to the to the payments or to the cards functionality, Mm -hmm. that's something that we can scale. We can assign more resources dynamically. So we don't have to to give more resources to everything that we are doing. Okay, so it's basically the the way that we have to bring the resources and put the effort where we really need it. Okay, so then I mean, from my limited technical expertise, yeah, then that means that having a catastrophic system wide failure would be next to impossible. Exactly. Okay, and it also means that if microservices can be can be scaled individually and resources dedicated where they can where, where they're required it means that you can you know much like a, a manual car you can shift it so that you know uh, resources are put either in one place or the other to accelerate or decelerate as required is that mm-hmm. yeah okay exactly you okay. perfectly perfectly understood that <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm all about the metaphors man um, okay so that makes a lot of sense to me Speaking of those things, what then are the, I guess, the basic tech pieces required for an embedded finance solution? Okay, so I think that also the tech pieces are always related with the, with the functional ones, mm-hmm. okay? And that's part of the explanation that I always give at the, at the beginning of my conversations, okay. okay? So first of all, we have the financial providers. Since we are talking about embedded finance proposition, they are going to be offering financial services, so they need the, the core proposition of that. Okay? Are, are these the BAS providers yeah, that we're talking exactly. about? The banking as a service people? Exactly. Okay. Can, can they also be incumbents? Like, can, they, like, can a big bank be a, a banking provider or generally not? It could be. It yeah. could be, but basically these banks need to have this uh, vast proposition. They need to, to start to be approaching that. 
basically one of the main common points that all the bus providers or financial providers as I used to generalize them is that the access to the information and how uh, we or the end users consume the information mm -hmm. is through API right okay so basically uh, if they are offering to uh, to embed the finance the functionality of uh, opening accounts that will be an API on point in order to open that account okay and of course that API endpoint is not something that the end user is going to be able to to be using by themselves it's going to be necessary to have an intermediate platform or or basically a, a channel a channel of communication in order to call that API so the end user only have to use some screens or some functionality as I said we have the the vast propositions we have the financial providers and traditionally these channels that I was mentioning before just simply have some direct integration to the to the bus providers okay. to these propositions. That was a note at the beginning of the method finance because I think that only a small use cases were covered over there. So we can speak about the a classic example of I'm selling you some insurance because you're buying a flight. Okay, to the, right, right, to the airline. Right, as a value add in the, in, in, in the consumer market. Exactly. Okay, okay. Exactly. So that's pretty straightforward, quite simple, and I think that's all the new challenges uh, that we are facing right now were not uh, discovered at that point. Sure. So I think that's right now what we are also facing. We are talking about direct channels in order to offer, to offer a specific financial services, but with that focus only. Okay, we need, or at least the, the corporates offering these kind of services, mm -hmm. wants to offer those financial services on top of what they are offering right now. And they really don't care if the end service is something that comes from one, one provider, other provider, or maybe they just need to orchestrate between those different providers. They need to change from one to another. Mm -hmm. And on that point, it's where we found that there was the need of an intermediate piece. And this intermediate piece basically is going to be standardizing all the communications with the different providers. And also, it's going to be standardizing all the information that is going to be there. So it's not the same, an account from an incumbent bank or an account from, from a new bank, from a proposition, from a vast proposition. Mm -hmm. Of course, the information, the way that we are going to be communicating, it's way much different. The API endpoints are going to be completely different and the interface and the information that it's required, it's not the same. So basically, using this kind of standardization, we make simple the life for for the channels that are consuming the services. So okay. basically what we want to do there is to be able to consume a generic bank account, let's say. Mm -hmm. but we can be talking about payment, we can be talking about loans on the lending space. It can be any kind of uh, product, but basically we need to go to the basics of that product. Okay, so the channel that it's offering the service, it's only accessing to that generic products and then it's going to it's going to be the, the real integration with the different banking propositions. This is the place where it's going to be the most difficult part of uh, of everything because as I was mentioning, every banking provider, every bus has different API, different information. And in fact, you were, you were making a really good question before with the with incumbent banks. Maybe we could also introduce. Uh, an incumbent bank doesn't have a real API proposition from the beginning mm -hmm. in this uh, with this actual architecture, mm -hmm. okay? Because basically we are going to have the channel connecting with the API, talking to to the middle piece, and then the middle piece connecting to the actual bank 
maybe with a changing of some batch files, as it was done in some past days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a long time ago. Exactly. Or maybe directly with the API, as we would expect from the perfect world of embedded finance. But basically, we are abstracting the consumption of the services from the integration with the actual banks. And additionally, and I think that that's a point that it's really important, we have the possibility to orchestrate. Basically, orchestrate means that the end user is going to be using a generic bank product, but on the back, it's going to be provided by different providers. And in fact, the, the consumer doesn't really care about who is providing that service. Basically, the, the orchestration layer is going to be switching the actual banking provider or financial provider that it's providing the service. We are doing that in, in Tokyo. We are providing both the integration layer and the presentation layer. Mm -hmm. And we are offering our customers, which uh, basically is the corporates that want to offer additional value-add uh, value services, mm -hmm. we are offering them the possibility to orchestrate between all those different providers and everything under a configurable environment. And that's part also of the explanation that I need to do always with our customers. Okay. <laughs> okay. So our configurable approach, basically, it's that we already have a set of parameters that can be configured by non-tech and non-financial people. That's a really important approach for embedded finance because basically we are approaching non-financial companies to offer financial services. Sure. So it's really important to be able, in the same way I'm speaking to customers, to speak to them and to let them configure the solution without having that banking knowledge, that, uh, that deep knowledge into the, into the banking solutions. So basically, we allow them to configure all the different products and also all that orchestration that I was mentioning mm -hmm. by, the config, uh, by the configuration of the product itself. And of course, underlying, we have all the technology, we have all the different uh, engines trying to call to one provider, to another provider. But that's something that it's... Uh, that will be happening always inside the, the the middle layer, okay, and providing the abstraction basically to the to the to the presentation layer. I think that's a really important point. Okay, so let, just just so I understand, APIs, if I'm not mistaken, are basically just bridges between you know different information systems, yeah. right? And we have our own API which mm -hmm. to a degree attempts to standardize a lot of the information that can be found from different providers. Mm -hmm. To me, it may sound very, very basic, but it sounds like, you know, old field matching techniques from databases, from Excel spreadsheets, where, you know, one BAS provider might call it account ID, whereas another BAS provider may mm -hmm. call it ID account. Mm -hmm. And we have to figure out, or they have to sort of like look at their different database systems mm -hmm figure out what it's actually called via our API and then tweak it so that we can create a flow of information. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. So basically we have that unified way of identifying all the concepts. Yep. So on the moment of presenting the information, we have no doubt despite being talking to different providers. Right. But maybe they have internally different, uh, different standards, different ways of calling that. But that's a separated task of the job that it's done. And it, and that's job, it's done only one time. Right. That's only one time that right. it's the, the integration phase that we say it when, when you want to integrate 
a new banking provider to, mm -hmm. to a platform that will be done only one time. And all the time that you will be managing to work with that, you will be using the concepts of Tokyo in this case. And with all that, you will be controlling all the providers in the same way. It's doing the translation once. It's creating a Rosetta Stone so that you have, you know, uh, a viable means of communication for just about everyone. I can see how that would be challenging because creating any sort of standardization in a specific field or within a paradigm is going to be a very complex chore just because many sure. people will be on board, many people will not, many people, there may be different competing standards. Um, so, you know, yay Tokyo, let's see if we, if, if, <laughs> if, if we impose our rules. What do you find is the most complex thing for people to understand? The concept itself of the finance is something difficult to land at some companies yeah. because um, it's new proposition. I was saying before, we're talking about non-financial companies trying to sell financial services. So it's quite difficult to, <laughs> to, to, to sell that inside for them and also to understand how to get back all that revenue. But talking about the technical space, I think that's two main aspects. The first one, it's the, the resistance to, to adopt new architectures. Okay. And I think that that's something that it's necessary because, again, and I, I feel kind of repetitive because <laughs> it's always non-financial people working with financial services. This needs to, to have a change on the mindset and we cannot pretend to do the things in the same way. We already find a lot of customers trying to have everything inside of their systems. And I think that that's contradictory to the emerging SaaS businesses around the world. So okay. basically we are trying to offer all the different players under the sector are trying to, to basically solve the problems that they have instead of providing them just a new tool to be managing a new set of tools to be operating on the day to day basis. So basically we offer them a platform. We offer those financial services. And we offer the administration of that. That means that under the software as a service, we offer them that service and we assure that it's something to be working. For them to understand this point is something really important and will really speed up the process that we are working with them. Sure. I mean, but at, at the end of the day, if we're talking about you going in and having a third or fourth conversation with these people, hopefully by then, marketing people or salespeople have to a degree done their job and made clear why embedded finance would be at least of benefit to them and why they should explore it. Now, mm -hmm. how that manifests obviously is within your purview. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I understand that because many people in, in the corporate space don't know that they need something uh, because they don't know that it exists, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that, that's tricky, that, mm -hmm. that's very tricky. But you know, hopefully by the time it's gotten to you, yeah. Uh, we've done our job to make sure that they understand uh, the benefits of corporate embedded finance, how that can uh, bolster the consolidation of their merchant network to make mm -hmm. sure that all the players in their network are deriving benefit from it, how it can help them grow, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. So I'm sorry, what was your second point? <laughs> yeah, my second point, basically, it's the integration or at least the, the selection of the, uh, of the financial services providers. Mm -hmm. Some of our customers, I mean, what you said about the incumbent banks, it's something really common because maybe the customers wants to work with them or at least with the actual banks that they are working. 
on that situation, mm -hmm. as we already mentioned, it's difficult to make the integration. Maybe the, the bank doesn't have the, the, the set of APIs in order to make it work. So I think that that's also some of the uh, approaches that we had in Tokyo in order to uh, separate that integration functionality. So we uh, reduce the risk and the complexity to the rest of the platform. So basically we have, maybe we can have a really complex module, a uh, complex microservice, as we were saying before, that it's basically making the transformation of the actual um, way of working of Tokyo and the actual way of working of the of the bank. So I think that that single point, it's also something that it's uh, giving us problems because basically increases the need of integration, increases the need of resources from our, our customers, mm -hmm. and basically it's time and money. Right. And all those aspects are always against us <laughs> when we are trying to adopt a new proposition. Because I mean, that's really what that's really what customers or people working in this space are going to be concerned about: time and money. So hopefully, we're doing our job and making sure that people understand how we can save them both. To our listeners out there, before we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to say it would be extremely helpful if those of you listening would be kind enough to tap on select click on the subscribe or follow button because then we can grow our following and that would be really really nice because if we want to continue to do this show and provide information on embedded finance then we need to know that there are people out there listening victor thank you very much for joining us today thank you it was uh it was enlightening i mean obviously the technology behind embedded finance is extremely complex it's no wonder that we always tell people, well, I mean, you know, we're already doing this. You don't have to build it in-house. You don't have to do anything. I mean, again, I'm not here rah-rah Tokyo, but embedded finance with all of the possible benefits it can bring to a company, I think the best thing is, is, is for people to understand exactly how complex the technology is and then, you know, just pay someone. It's going to be a lot easier. <laughs> so again, thank you, Victor. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon.